everyone, and welcome to the Les Represent podcast, the podcast about everything lesbian and lady loving, queer, and everything in that spectrum. Our stories, our projects, our experiences, representation, and what it means to us. And today I have an amazing guest today. I can't believe she had time to sit down and talk with us. And I'm just going to let her introduce herself. Hi, this is Kristen Baker, the director and producer of Season of Love and uh, co-founder of Telefilms.com. I don't even know where to begin the questioning because there's just so much <laughs> I want to know. And I let us start with your latest project, though, because that's what we're all really interested about and we're really excited for it. That sounds great. So Season of Love. I hope I said that right. Otherwise, that would be freaking hilarious if I said that wrong. No, you totally did. Although some people, you know, put that put an S on it. Seasons of love. But it is singular season of love. Oh, how wonderful. So season of love. Uh, Tell us what it's about for people who haven't heard about it. Yes. So it is the first queer lady um, holiday Christmas rom-com that is kind of that has ever been made. And we were very much inspired by all the movies that Hallmark has come out with in the holiday season and Lifetime and Netflix. And it just seems like there were all just the last couple of years, like this proliferation of, you know, holiday Christmas themed movies. And I think we were waiting for them to become diverse. And we got like, you know, a black couple and then we got I think there's one that has a Jewish um, lead and we were just waiting for the one that had like, you know, queer women in the forefront and it just didn't come. And we kept asking on Twitter. And so we decided, you know what, we need to start making our own because no one else is going to do it for us. So we actually put a call out for submissions for Um, to the community. And we got some of the most amazing submissions and we couldn't just do one. Like we couldn't just choose one. So we actually chose three and season of love was the first one we went into production with, but we also have Christmas at the ranch and Mary and gay that are in the (laughs) pipeline. Um, And so what we loved about season of love written by Catherine Trammell was that it was had a love actually kind of vibe with these intersecting storylines. So we have three sort of distinct storylines that all have queer representation and have um, interracial couples. So we have some women of color and then we also have deaf representation. So one of our actresses is deaf. Oh Um, my. Yes. And so um, they all have these intersecting lives where um, the kind of the person that connects everyone's name is Iris and her best friend, uh, Lou from college, um, is played by Jessica Clark and Iris is played by Emily Goss. And then her cousin, Janie played by Janelle Marie are all kind of connected. Right. And then we each have their love storylines that all intersect, um, starting four days before Christmas and through new years. And so it's just these three super fantastic, um, journeys of, of love um, over the holiday season. That is super exciting. I I actually somehow missed the fact that one of the actresses was deaf. Is she she's playing a deaf character? Or is she? She is. Yep, she's playing a deaf character. We haven't. So we're gonna start like really introducing the characters. If you 
you know, in her bio, her name is Sandra Mae Frank, and she's, I just went to see her play. She's in a play in Los Angeles um, and that we went to see last night by a theater company called Deaf West. So Sandra was in um, Deaf West's Spring Awakening musical that was on Broadway and actually performed at the Tony Awards. And so if you're familiar with her, then you know that character is deaf. But otherwise, you know, we haven't, um, you know, talked about it that much. So we're going to start talking about it to let people know about all the dimensions of diversity that we have in this in this story. That's amazing. So how was it working with her? So I was, I'm going to be honest, like I was a little nervous at first because I've never worked with a deaf actress before. And um, I know the writer, Catherine, and her wife, Hope, um, when we did the first read through, um, like back in, we shot this in May and June, and we did a read through in February to kind of hear it out loud. It was really critical and important to all of us that we had someone who was deaf at the reading and that she signed, wow. you know, what the dialogue was in the script. And then we had an ASL consultant who is a, a, a personal friend who I brought on board. And then we had an interpreter um, at the read through. So we had three people there who had very distinct, you know, we're all part of the deaf community in some way, but had very distinct perspectives. And the first question that we asked was, what did we screw up? Did we offend anyone? What were some things that we missed or need to adjust to make sure this is as accurate and true to life as possible? And so, um, the, so then when we were casting, um, we actually found Sandra on Instagram. We followed, and I should say we, Catherine really did it. Kat did, the writer. She was like, hey, check this, check this actress out because we followed the hashtag deaf talent. And so you had all these amazing actresses who were part of the deaf community. And we reached out to Sandra and she said yes. And um, we, ha- we got an interpreter. And, you know, we're an indie project. So we very much did not have what you would normally pay an interpreter to come on set. But that community is so amazingly supportive that we ended up having interpreters that could fit our budget and came on board to kind of support Sandra, to support us. And she, first of all, she's a phenomenal actress. Um, and we, you know, we did have a, like an all cast and crew gathering before she came on set with our ASL consultant, Sarah, who just kind of said, like, here's some things to think about, you know, what, you know, you're going to have an interpreter, but make sure you look at the person and not the interpreter, unless you're actually talking to the interpreter. And they just, they were amazing. Like it was, it, it was no different, honestly, than working um, with any of the other actresses. That's amazing. I, yeah, that is Super amazing. I'm sorry. There, there are words I'm trying to form here. But I'm actually <laughs> taken completely I'll, back by that. That Yeah. That's so awesome. I'm so excited to see how that works out. Yeah. And I have to tell you, too, like, Jessica Clark is her love interest. And what I loved was, so we had, we cast a guy who is a hearing person who's her best friend and interpreter, um, Matthew Bridges. He plays Charlie. So he's her best friend, roommate, and interpreter. And we got, he knew ASL. So we actually found an actor who had been kind of taking ASL 
lessons, but, but the three of them would get together uh, or the four of them would get together and figure out like, how would they try and communicate? So there was stuff that they figured out before even coming on set. So when they actually came on set and we did a rehearsal, they had already talked about like, how would Jessica try and sign this? Like what, how would she do it wrong? What would she do and how would you correct it? And so they really kind of, and there are things you don't really think about. There's a line in there that says, where he says, honey, we're as queer as a disco stick. Uh, well, you can't sign that and have it make sense because if you literally signed disco stick, it really means dick. Oh, God. And so like, right? So that doesn't work for, for it. So they were like, so the sign was, he says, honey, we're as queer as a disco stick, but he actually signs, honey, we're queer through and through. So there's like little things like that, that, that they would say, Hey, you know, this is, this is what we did and this is why we did it. And it was like, oh, that's sounds great to me. So, um, those are the little nuancey things that you don't think about. I'm so excited for the deaf community to hear about this. Like... Yeah, we haven't done a great, we haven't done a great job getting the word out, but we will. That's our kind of next big push is really letting the different um, communities know, like we have someone who is, um, you know, half Asian. We have someone who is uh, Latinx and we really want to let those communities know that they are represented in this movie and the deaf community know. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of our next piece of communication. So you're technically getting it first. I, I'm, I'm so excited to hear that. I'm really <laughs> glad because I was afraid that I had somehow missed it. Because no, with no, Twitter, we haven't, like a, yeah. it, it's no, just, we haven't done a good job. Yeah. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that you haven't done a good job. I think that you have such a big project that, you know, I mean, you could try to rush out this stuff and it just wouldn't come across very well. Or you can actually do what you're doing and give each representation like a specific moment. You give them the moment to have the, yeah. the correct representation and you take the time to make sure it's done properly. So, yes. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I, you know, I keep forgetting we do have time. You know, I think we just want to get things out because we're so excited and people seem so excited. Um, you know, I forget, like, it's OK, like we have time. We'll let people know. And but but yeah, you're getting that first, really. So that's kind of exciting, too. I feel honored and humbled. And I just now I'm just kind of I got to figure out how to get like to get this podcast transcript now. I just, darn, um. <laughs> I got to figure that out. I got to, I got to step up now. It's my turn to step up. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But wow. Oh my gosh. Where do we go from here? Like, how do you follow that up? That's really exciting. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. And so how was it dealing with the other actresses? I suppose we should give them their time to shine as well. Sure. I know we should have. Well, I mean, first, like, you know, we just had this, um, uh, I mean, we were just so uh, ridiculously, I, I want to say like blessed or, I mean, to work with these six actresses and have them say yes to this project. You know, I think number one, it, it's a testament to the great writing that, that Catherine Trammell did on the script because no, very few actors at this, at, at our, at the budget that we have, 
will say yes to a project unless they really love the script. And we were lucky enough to just have a fantastic script that when we, you know, said, hey, this is the project, would you be interested in reading it? And they did. And, you know, they they absolutely loved it. And we had uh, Julie Gale was our casting director and she was amazing and, you know, very much um, helped in making sure that, you know, we found people who, uh, again, like looking at diverse representation um, and just finding some of the strongest actresses in the, um, you know, out in the Los Angeles area. So. So that that was amazing. Um, yeah. So Emily Gosh, you know, is in Snapshots and she plays Iris. And and I so I knew her from that movie and she'd actually come to read some uh, as a favor for us. And so I just you know, I knew Emily was just going to nail this role as Iris and hit all the nuances. And she absolutely did. Uh, and then her love interest is played by Laura Allen, who is was new to us. She was brought on. She, Julie Gale, uh, sent us, she actually put herself on tape and just, you know, her character of Mardu is like very interesting and super nuanced and unique. And she just nailed it. And it was like, she got it. She got the character. She loved the script. Um, and so those two being on board is, was fantastic. And then, um, I will say this about Jessica Clark. I don't know if you're familiar with her from, like True Blood or um, A Perfect Ending that she did with Nicole Kahn. Um, but Jessica's a, a model. Like she started her career. She's like five foot ten and just this statuesque, you know, gorgeous uh, model. And oh, so to have – so she plays, but she's she actually is really great at physical comedy. And so if you look at, her, at what roles she's had, she always plays sort of like the intimidating, you know, bombshell, um, you know, or the, you know, the, the, just like the hot person, you know, in the, <laughs> whatever the project is. And so she ended up reading for Lou and we gave her this like really kind of goofy part and she just nailed the comedy. And I thought, man, if we can get Jessica Clark to come in, and play this sort of, bu- I mean, can't, I can't tell you how many times she drops things in in this movie, um, and and just stumbles over herself and is like super awkward and like just sort of, you know, like like is that awkward? Like I'm in love and I'm I'm intimidated by this gorgeous woman. She's fantastic, and so it's very like playing against who, what she normally plays, and I'm just excited for Jessica Clark fans to be able to see that. Um, and so, and then you have, you know, Dominique and you have, you know, her huge passionate fan base. And so you kind of go, oh crap, like who do we get to play opposite her? You know, who, who are people gonna, you know, hopefully fall in love with and see and, and we got Janelle Marie, who's just, um, you know, is this wonderful Latinx actress that we were able to get. And she was the last person we cast because, you know, we really wanted to, we were really searching for the right person. Um, And she was it. And she was, they were all so wonderful to work with. So you guys were definitely trying to put chemistry first, which is fantastic to hear. 
Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We actually had chemistry reads to make sure we weren't going to like, you know, I don't want to say screw this up, but you know, that's essentially it. Like we knew what we were looking for, for this community. You know what I mean? For our community. Right. Cause we've seen people who try to make movies for, well, I think it's debatable whether they were making that movie for the community, but they put high, like really high up their actresses and they just have no chemistry whatsoever. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Jennifer's wedding. Can we say Jenny's um, wedding? Yes, I mean, exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Horrendous. I mean, Horrendous. I would, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't fault the younger actress who played Kitty. Her name is like going right through me right now. I just only can see her as Rory Gilmore, but um, I, I don't uh, blame yeah. her for being intimidated. Like being with Katie Hyatt, like that's, I would be intimidated being in the same room with her as well. <laughs> but yeah. like, ugh, I, I still, I still argue that that movie was not for us, that that movie was for the people. Oh, I don't think it was either. It, out, it, but. it was absolutely, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and they had um, uh, Gum uh, playing the sister. Um, I hate to say Meryl Streep's daughter because I'm sure she hates that. But, Ugh. you know, they had some they had some powerhouses that just really it could have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't make this about the misses of the mm-hmm. of the movies, but that was a cautionary tale for us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like we didn't. We were sort of like we have to. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely like. I mean, there are just moments in here that I'm 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 90% sure because our editor we have a we have a queer editor um, as well who who found all the moments that I thought were there. She was like, oh yeah, like here it is. And so the fact that she found them and put them together and like knew what the community was looking for. So you really have everyone from you know we have a queer f- female writer, queer female producers. I'm a queer female uh, director, um, queer female editor. Like you have every person in the community, like looking at this project, making sure it speaks our language. And it's what, what, you know, people have been waiting so long for this. Like we want to give it, give it to them. Absolutely. I'm so excited about this. Like, so that must be so amazing working with so many people who are so passionate about the same thing that you are that like are all on the same level. Like they all want to make something amazing. Yes. Yes. You feel really supported, you know, you feel really supported and you know that, you know, everyone even down to like our production assistants who are looking at monitor, you know, with you watching a scene, you know, when they're like, Oh man, this is, that was it. You know, you, you, you know, um, that, that, you know, again, you just feel supported. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm with my tribe. You know, I'm in this safe space where we can make sure we're getting what we want. That is so amazing. I'm so happy to yeah. hear that and that you guys have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, so how long has the process taken? Because I don't know enough about movies <laughs> to really yeah. gauge if something took a long time or didn't take long enough. So this actually would be considered unbelievably fast. Really? Like this, this project would be considered ridiculously, almost impossible to make um, in the time frame. So we did a call for submissions, I think in like November, 
and we had a project. So Kat actually didn't just send us a treatment. She sent the full script. So she sent a treatment, but she was like, because that's what we asked for. We asked for a pitch. Mm -hmm. So she sent the full treatment, but then she was like, oh, and by the way, I have a script ready. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. So it's sort of like, oh, so we had a script like immediately once we said yes. So then we were able to schedule a read through in February and in, uh, after that read through, um, you know, we needed, we knew we needed to do some cutting. So, but we basically kind of set production dates and set. So we, I, we have investors for the movie. So it's partially, um, through investors and crowdfunding that we were able to make it. Um, and so then we did our crowdfunding campaign, um, starting in mid March through, April. So we ended it during Clexicon last year around, I think the 10th or the 15th, um, and then set production dates. So we went into production, um, towards the end of May and, uh, wrapped June 6th. Um, so we shot a feature in 14 days, which is also very quick. Um, so we had a quick turnaround time for that. And then it, um, um, pretty much immediately went into post-production so we're actually still finalizing things right now. So as I talk to you, my next phone call after I get off the podcast is going to be with my composer who's like writing music and then sending that to our audio editor. I sat in with our audio editor yesterday to kind of make sure that, you know, he had some questions for me. Like just as an example, there's a Christmas party. And so he said, okay, like I see there's about 12 people at this Christmas party. Is that because we're putting in kind of like when you shoot something, you want no, no noise. You only want dialogue, right? So Mm -hmm. you try and get rid of all the noise possible, but when you're in post, you want to put the noise back in. So he's like, how many people are here? We need to have like Christmas party noise. So instead of, you know, having Christmas party noise while you're shooting the Christmas party, everyone's silent. And, you know, oh, if gosh. an airplane's flying overhead, you have to hold for the airplane to fly overhead. But then later you put the sounds that you would have made during a Christmas party back in, you know. So he's like, how many people are at the Christmas party? Because you can literally make a party bigger, or smaller, you know, in post-production by adding in those sounds. Movie so magic. it's like movie magic. And so, like, you know, one of our characters, Lou, is um, putting like putting together a brewery she's she's kind of building a rest like a like a, a brew house and so we're there and of course again everyone's silent but he's like how many workers does she have at the brew house and I was like oh, about five so he can put in like noises that work is happening you know all around um at the brew house so it's like questions like that so you sit in with an audio editor and you know then we have like we're done with color correction and so, you know, you just have, and we have visual effects that are happening. So you have all these like pieces that are kind of all moving at the same time and they just all start to sort of converge together. Um, Those and so that's, I would never yes. even think about ever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all happening right now um, to make sure the movie is, you know, it'll be done this month. Like it's done in that you know, we can put together a teaser, like it's, we're, we're at what's called picture locked. And so now we're just perfecting everything. And like, you know, so it's like the car is built and it can run and it can get you from here to there, 
but now we want to put like a really nice paint job and we want to put in the, <laughs> you know, we want to make the seats leather and we want to, you know, so that's kind of a, kind of a dumb metaphor, but no, no, I think it's perfect. I, but this is very, very fast. Like to, to, to have a pitch go out and then go into production with funding and have it done by this holiday season is very quick. Now you got me being nervous here. Wow. I'm almost like, we need to stop the interview. You need to call that guy now. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going anywhere. Oh, goodness. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. What? Okay. I I, want to ask you what your dreams are for this, but at the same time, there's still so much more about the process itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're a director, so you were probably... I, I guess my questions are, how did you start Telefilms? But I'm like, are we done talking about the movie? I don't know. I'm like, I want to ask you everything. We're like, all, sure. I'm all over the place and I'm so ask sorry. Me everything. We'll jump around. We'll do whatever you want. Absolutely. So I guess what made you really, 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 really want to do a Christmas movie? Or was it just simply you kept seeing them on TV and you were like, okay, it's our time and were you surprised by how much people were just ready to go with for, for it with you? Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm really going to give like a lot of credit to Twitter and um, uh, Dana Piccoli because oh, yeah? she really like every holiday season, she was like screaming and shouting at Netflix for the queer lady holiday rom-com. Like she just like, and I just appreciate that. And, and of course, there were all, uh, tons of other people as well. But for some reason, like, I just really remember Dana's tweets about this. And she would tweet at Hallmark and tweet at Lifetime. And and I it just became very clear to me that um, the likelihood that it was – well, there are two things. Number one, the likelihood that it was going to be made um, was by a kind of a network – just I just didn't think that that would happen uh, anytime soon. Now, that being said, there is a I don't know if it's a rom-com. I think it's more of a coming out story. But Clea Duvall and Kristen Stewart are supposed to be going into production in January for a, like a lesbian or queer female holiday movie. But I don't think it's a rom-com. I think it's from what I've read. It sounds like a coming out story like it's. Um, very similar to Lesbom, where the uh, someone's coming home with their fiance, or they want to get married, and the family doesn't know um, that she's gay. So, oh, so I knew that was sort of out there. Um, but I think the other piece of it was I I wanted to make sure if we were going to do one that it was going to be done right. And by right, I mean having so many queer women at the helm. And I just didn't know if it was going to happen, if it was going to be something that was like directed by a man or directed by a straight woman, which is fine if a straight woman directs it. But like, I just don't think sometimes people understand unless you're, you know, part of the community, those like little nuanced moments that just say so much and mean so much that we pick up on. And I just was like, I just didn't want the wrong person to be do the first one, if Absolutely. that makes sense. So I think that's part of the reason where I was like, we need to do this now and it needs to be done f- f- really for the community. And I, 
I don't mean to say someone else would do it wrong, but there are a couple of movies out there that are directed by men that we could also name that are lesbian movies or queer female movies that just don't resonate with us. No. And I wanted to make sure that didn't happen. Absolutely. And you don't want the, someone else's example to be the first one that people draw back to every time. Like, especially right. going forward, I mean... God forbid if you had investors that their only example was some other movie that tanked because somebody else just didn't do it correctly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or someone so, just tried to make a gay movie and then literally did not have any gay people on their staff. Yeah. At all for it. It's just. Yep. Uh, totally. How do they think they can do this? I don't, I don't know. Like, Yeah. And I, you know, I think you can say, I mean, you know, guy, I don't want to, I mean, if I end up, directing a straight movie I don't want people to be like well a lesbian can't direct a straight movie or anything like that so but I I do think there is something because we have such little content there is something to be said like there and and it maybe it maybe after you watch it like we'll we'll like grab a, a drink or something and hop on the phone and like talk about all those little moments because there are these like little tiny nuanced moments all throughout that are just those those, uh, you know, the look or like the hand touch or, you know, those like little things that I just don't know if a straight man would like be able to pick up those little nuances or would direct people with those little nuances. So, you know, it's like that kind of thing that I think about a lot. Or just the experience that women have day to day anyway, like the small things yeah. that they just kind of get miss yeah you know and let me I'll give a great example of that so this might so not from our movie though but but from like do you remember the first season of the l word I think that's the only season I can remember clearly because I okay did not like the rest of that show take my totally card if you want to no I totally understand I can I can I'm I'm on I can jump on the train with you but there is a moment I think it's the last episode of season one where Bet um, has, she's sleeping with the, the um, carpenter and they're in their, their exhibit is up, right? Like she opened up the exhibit hall or whatever. And Tina walks in and Bet and the carpenter are having a conversation and Tina's across the room watching them. And they, they have, you know, and it, she knew, I think Tina knew like they worked together and there's a moment where I think she like takes her hand, like they take each other's hand. And again, it could have been this moment that was like, thank you for all your, all your help and all your work. And as Bet turns around, she holds onto the carpenter's hand for, as she's walking away for just like two or three beats too long. And it's like the camera turns back to Tina and she's like, Oh, they're doing it. Oh no. And it was like that moment where I thought, Oh my gosh, that is exactly the thing that a woman or a lesbian or a woman or a queer woman would pick up on that a man probably wouldn't direct them to do. And it was like, so those are the kind of moments where it's like, Oh, you held that gaze just a bit too long or you held that hand or you touched her in a way that signals 
that you love her more than a friend or she's more than a friend. And it was like, that's a, in my mind, that's a great example of like just this tiny nuanced part that they did where like Tina knew they were sleeping together, but she knew just cause they were holding hands a second longer than they should have. I'm like having flashbacks now. <laughs> yeah. Like if you go back, you watch flashbacks. The, yeah. Well, if you watch that final episode and you just go to that part, like you'll see it. And yeah. it's, it's probably one of the only scenes that like really stuck in my head. It broke my heart. It's, it still so. breaks my heart. I, I think it's the worst <laughs> decision that's ever happened to a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. Um, so, but, it, but that's a, I think a good example of, of, of those kinds of now ours are, are positive moments, right. But like those kinds of, of moments, you know, where you have the, you know, the, those the classic like you're a wanker number nine you know with the hand <laughs> on the thing you know we have those times for uh, all throughout the movie absolutely i'm so excited yeah. to see that and i would not be surprised if people watch that movie and do the live tweets where they take like screenshots all over oh the i hope you so know, you know how they go crazy for that just like oh just... god that's my dream i hope so from your lips <laughs> From your lips. Someone is going to do it. Someone is going (laughs) to do it. And I know at least three podcasts that do like their play-by-play movie review stuff. And I do not be surprised if I bully them into doing it. Because it's just... Oh, please. Please strong arm them. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That would just... You'd make my little director heart so happy. Absolutely. I'm I'm super excited for this. Is there any fun tidbits about the movie? Like any kind of like fun behind the scene things that you can share is this like you're still like you can't talk about this stuff right now you still gotta wait oh I don't I mean yeah there's a ton of fun fun things to to share and talk about and I don't think there's a moratorium on anything the pro you know the problem is um no one's seen it yet right so except for me so (laughs) um let's say let me think some behind the scenes stuff that would that would that would and I would want to be fair to like all the couples, you know, and like make sure they get their due diligence. Um, perhaps, okay, perhaps just so we don't uh, make one like I don't want to sit here and straight out be like, well, who's your favorite character? Because I mean, oh yeah, there's there's no way I'm gonna. I mean, they're all my favorite <laughs> children. They're all my favorite children. Um, I guess I guess we could talk about the the connection between these characters like not just the romantic connection but the connection that the characters have with each other outside of the romance oh okay well you know okay yeah so um all right so uh iris and mardu um uh played by emily goss and laura allen so um iris uh, and and you know this from the from the teaser so i'm not kind of giving away a big thing. It re- it opens with, with Iris being left at the altar or not at the altar, but before she gets to the altar. And the person who delivers the news is her fiance's sister. So Mardu is Iris's fiance's sister and Ooh. he bails. Right. And so, so clearly like they've known each other, you know, since Iris and Theo have been together and you you find out that um, 
that uh, Mardu has always kind of had a had a crush on Iris or always felt like, you know, like just was kind of in love with her. But drama, her, you know, drama, brother. Drama. Yeah. So that's kind of their relationship. And then we kind of come in and she becomes her support as the her husband or her fiance leaves her. And then, of course, it's a rom-com. So, you know, you have this great journey and, and, and lovely tension and happy ending, right? Uh, and I will say this, because I think our community can get a little um, nervous about these things. This is a classic holiday rom-com, right? There is absolutely a happy ending for all of our couples. Yay. We will take you on a journey. We will, we will make you wonder how they're going to get back together or whatever happens. But this is a classic holiday rom-com. There is all the feels and happy endings and great things. So I don't want anyone to look at this and think maybe one of the couples doesn't end up together. They absolutely all end up together. I absolutely am giving a spoiler alert, but I don't think it is because this is a classic holiday rom-com. This is what we need. (laughs) This is what we need. Exactly. So so Sue and Janie, which is um, Dominique and Janelle, uh, they've been together for a while. There are only couple that actually you're coming into their story. Um, and they've been together for like, I think we have like a year and a half to two years, but because Janelle's character is in the air force, she's been deployed, um, on and off. So she's, she'll go and have and be away for six months. So she's been away and is, has come back for her cousin's wedding for Iris's wedding. And she's been stationed in the city, which is, is Los Angeles for two years. So, so we come in on their relationship and, uh, and our writer, Kat, her wife, Hope is in the, um, air force. So Mm -hmm. Kat really wanted to write kind of this, what happens when, when your person comes back from deployment? Cause it's not, it's not, it's a little awkward when they first come back. So you have, you have that piece of, of things that I think is, is something that's really interesting that happens to couples who are in the military quite a bit. Um, so that's kind of their relationship outside of, um, outside of kind of the journey that they take you on. Um, and, and like I said, she's cousins with Jana or Janie is Iris's cousin. And then finally Lou and Kenna, um, they are in the same apartment complex. So Lou has been seeing Kenna for like a year. So they've been kind of like, um, you know, like seeing each other, like as they come in and out of the courtyard and then Lou needs a welder for her brewery and it's Kenna and her, uh, best friend and interpreter, Charlie, who end up being the welder. And, and so it's, you know, sort of this, like, I've been crushing on you forever and now here you are in front of me, but you've kind of been ignoring me. Um, and there's like, I'm not giving anything away because you'll, you know, again, you'll, but, um, Lou doesn't know Kenna's deaf. So she thinks she's just Ooh. been ignoring her. Oh, no. And so there's this amazing scene when she realizes it. So, you know, we, we, we really toyed with, do we keep it a secret that Kenna's deaf because the reveal is so fun. But again, we want the deaf community to know that we have someone, you know, this great storyline. So we thought, no, we, re- we really need to, like, let people know. I'm um, so excited for all yeah. of that. Because all of those are very interesting. Like, those have all yeah. very interesting dynamic and very interesting stories ahead of them. It's not yeah. like, 
Yeah, and so it's about communication, oh, right? Like, I have a crush on you, but I don't. We don't really speak the same language. So how do we communicate? And you know, and it's just, it's really, it's just very adorable and funny and fun. That's so exciting. But like all of those storylines are all exciting and in that interesting place that I, I can't think of another story that's like that or even like, I mean, let's just say we all know that haters are going to hate. And I'm, I've known that it's been a concern in some places that they're like, oh, it's just going to be like, you know, like any other story we'll see, it just happens if those women are gay. And it's not like that. And that's very, very, very exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, I hope people kind of pick up on these nuances of like, you know, someone being deployed and coming back home. I think that's such a unique story that you never really hear about or you never kind of get to see or experience. Um, so, yeah, we hope it goes um, deeper than, 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 you know, some very kind of fluffy candy, you know, rom-coms. We hope there's a, there's a heart and a depth that's there. I mean, and not everyone's going to see it. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I never want to yuck anyone's yum. And I know that's the same for this. Like this is going to speak to some people and other people are going to want to see other things. And you know what? That's okay. Um, you know, we're just going to, we're putting something out there that we love and we hope other people love it too. When is this coming out again? <laughs> December 1st. So if I, you're in I Los Angeles, still. I know. So if you're in Los Angeles or Nashville, um, you can see a screening November 21st and November 26th. But if you're not in those Ooh. two places, December 1st is when it's going to be released. You can pre-order it now at telefilms.com. That's so exciting. Yeah. How much is it? Like, this is off the record for me because I'm like, how much Like, how much do I need <laughs> to put into this? Yeah, so it's, it's $14.99 to purchase it. Oh, that's fantastic. Is it, like, going to yeah. be, like, at the whole freaking videos like for download yeah it's a video yeah. it's movie but whatever it's a movie. yeah yeah it is so we have a tello app oh and, you have an app you can, yeah we have an app so you can so you can put it's when we're on google play we're on um apple um uh itunes or uh, on um apple tv we're on roku we're on amazon fire stick so you can get us on your smart tv as well um Somehow people have been able to get us on PlayStation, which I think is interesting. So that's kind of been popping up. Um, but yeah, so you can you can view us on desktop, on mobile. But we, yeah, we have an app. I I am so old school. I just I was just gonna do it through the computer, and I'm like, I'm hoping I can stream this because I don't have enough space. I'm gonna have to get, like get a hard drive or something. It's about time. I have to. You can't. Well, no, I but you can to. stream it. Yeah, you don't have to download it. You can oh, totally stream dog. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have questions to ask about tele, like how did that start? Because that is such sure. a big thing for a lot of people. The fact that you that you guys have just stepped up and you're like, you know what, we need these things, so we're just going to make it ourselves. So Tello started like 11 years ago. Oh my god! Which like, I know. Can you believe it? It's just crazy. But in it, it originally we were going to be um, op- like the like YouTube. So we started off as being like open. Anyone could upload videos. We were going to make millions from ad revenue, you know, things like that. Um, and that didn't work out because, you know, we were getting enough views for like 100 Google ad dollars. And, and as much as I just think Google ad dollars are great, it cannot buy you bread at the grocery store. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
I started realizing there is no way I'm going to make any money on ad revenue. And, you know, we were lucky at first that we got some angel investors. So we had a little bit of money and it was like starting to go away. We were starting to see no revenue. So I thought I got to pivot. I got to think of something new. We need to we need to charge for this. And like at that time, people were like, you know, media is going to be free and it's going to be all ad based and blah, blah, blah. And it was like all of a sudden, you know, all these like it was like the dot com bubble where they were making all this money. Uh, and then people were like, wait, this isn't sustainable to, you know, have free shipping on a 50 pound bag of dog food. Um, and so I thought we got to start charging. And I just I always thought if I could get 10 lesbians to give me three ninety nine a month to watch content, that's more money that I could ever make on ad revenue. Oh, my God. And really? yeah. So we took our like last bit of money. And partnered with Nancy Lee Myatt and Paige Bernhardt, um, who just came off of like South of Nowhere. And we did Cowgirl Up was our first original project. I and, love that show. Oh, thanks. And and we ha- and we ended up having to charge. So we did a paywall. And that was right around the time Netflix and Hulu were starting to go digital and put up their subscription service. So we were like tracking right along with like the big dogs, you know, in the uh, in the digital realm. And, um, so I just was like, you know, this is just what we're going to have to do. So we, and we were doing this again, like if you wanted to build a site now, there's all kinds of plugins and add-ins and carts and things that you can do, but we had to figure this out on our own, um, and figure out, you know, all the, all the nuances of, of, of putting together a subscription site. So, um, and, and then we were just kind of like off, off to the races and spent most of our time doing, you know, short form during webs, doing web series. Um, and we just slowly started growing our subscriber base. And, and then in 2000 or just recently, um, I realized if we were going to really be sustainable, that we had to go the app route. I had really resisted it for a while because it was price prohibitive. It's very expensive to, to build apps because you have to have them for all the different platforms and that can be very pricey. Um, but I just thought, you know, I really thought that like everything was just going to integrate into the internet. Like our TV would be an extension of the internet. Um, but really the apps have just kind of been the thing that's, I don't want to say survived, but kind of been, been the route that people have decided this is where we're going to go. So, um, this past year is when we went. So when you say like, Oh, you have an app, it's relatively new. Like, I think it just launched in April. Um, but it's, it's a, such an easier interface. It works so well. We're able to do the rent to rent to buy as well as the subscription. So, so we can do both. Um, and, and the other thing I realized if we were going to continue to grow was we're going to have to make features. So we're kind of move, we're, you know, we're still doing web series, but we're also moving into really focusing in on, on doing uh, more features and, and long form content. So that's the kind of direction that we're starting to go in. And we, and we do want to have like each year, at least one holiday, um, you know, Christmas holiday rom-com. Yay. Yeah. And it was just, it was just born out of like, we weren't seeing ourselves, you know, and, and we, we really wanted to do that. What was it that really sparked 
you going into it? Like, do you know if there's a defined moment where you were just sitting there and you were like, you know what, I just gotta, I just gotta do this myself. <laughs> the, like, for the, the holiday movie or creating Tello? For creating Tello. Yeah, I, I do. I, I don't know if you ever watched, there was a, I loved, there was a British drama um, called Bad Girls um, that came out like, I mean, it was like 10 years ago now. Um, and it was a BBC show and there was a storyline for the first three seasons between, um, a, a warden and an inmate. It was set in a, a prison. Um, and I fell in love with that storyline and I found like one person who also had watched it. It was like super random, um, and not easy, but like there was this massive fan base that happened around it. That was all online. And I found one person when I was living in Chicago who loved it. And we just were geeking out about it. And then the storyline ended and we were like, well, we don't really have anything else to talk about, do we? Because there was just such a, you know, lack of, of uh, our stories out there. And then, you know, when you, and it was right when YouTube was starting to really pop and after Ellen was starting to, to explode as well. So we kind of had this marriage of, well, look at how easy it is to create content and put it online. And, um, you know, a site that was really promoting that kind of pop culture for the community. And so, you know, we were like, I was like a thirsty person in the desert, you know, <laughs> trying to get as, as much content as I could. And then I thought, well, why don't we also, you know, if I'm, if I'm maxing out on everything I can watch, let's start making it, let's start building a portal so that other, you know, queer female creators can start creating content. Um, and, and that we can see ourselves and then we can potentially create a pay system where if you create the content, we'll kind of figure out. So we have a revenue share. So if someone makes their content, and puts it on Tello, you know, they get, you know, X number of cents per view and then we pay out quarterly. So, you know, we're trying to support artists, people making art for the community and then trying to, you know, encourage more people to put stuff out. Um, so that was, so not having like all of those moments, but really like, the storyline ended that we loved and it was like, what are we going to do now? And it was like, well, I, I think we can go make this. And I kind of had a background in, um, in, uh, I, I, my college, I did television production. So I kind of knew how to edit a little bit and kind of knew what needed to go into it. I mean, I've definitely made my, you know, pile of crap of things that aren't great, <laughs> um, as I was learning, but, um, yeah. So that was kind of this defining moment for, uh, for me. Goodness. So, so I guess let's go into your personal life a little bit. So you, you said you went to, you learned in college TV producing. Have you always wanted to be in television? I did. Yes. I, at first I thought I wanted to go into like news when I was in high school. And then I like went and did an internship one summer at a, at a local news organization. And I realized like, I really hate news. Um, but at the, that same summer I was on a movie set. I was an extra and I absolutely fell in love with it. Like I felt, even though it was like long days, we were really hot. There was something about the energy on that movie set that I absolutely loved. And I was really lucky that I figured that out early on. So that when I went back to, I think this is the summer between my freshman and sophomore year in college. So when I went back to college, I moved my focus from going into like broadcast television into more narrative storytelling. So I was able to learn the skills that I needed, um, to, you know, to tell, tell stories and like 
edit and, you know, be able to, you know, again, make those early projects in college. And so I've, I've always loved storytelling. I mean, even in high school, I remember I set up like a VCR on a VCR. Um, and I, I had like a little, I could, I figured out and I don't, I don't even think I could put it together today, but I figured out how to like hook in, like bring in music. Like I had like a little portable, um, audio thing so I could put music over things and I could narrate things. I remember making like my own little videos back then doing what would be called like reel to reel editing. So I would go make something and then I could edit it together. So like my friends and I would get our clunky, huge VHS it shows you my age oh my VHS God. player. We would go shoot music videos or go do like Saturday night live parodies and, you know, we would, I would put every, anything that I could on video. And yeah, so I think I, you know, I always had that love of storytelling from a young age. That's amazing. Like people like this, this joke is very outdated, but people talk about how hard it is to program a VCR. <laughs> and here you are working in editing with two. I'm just like, what the heck? Yeah, I That's know, amazing. right? I don't think I could program it though, but I think I figured out how to edit. So, what could VCRs do? It's a lost technology now. We'll never know what I you know. can program them to do anymore. It's it's lost. You will. <laughs> that is so true. The knowledge is lost. I think I'll have to like hit up someone's grandpa at this point to figure out how to do it. And who knows? They probably didn't know how to do it either. So true. I know. <sighs> I guess I don't. Now I'm like really curious what they could do, but this is not that podcast. <laughs> but that's that's amazing. So yeah. do you did you know what kind of stuff you wanted to do, or were you just like I don't know? No, like, I think what did I was just messing towards? around. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did Saturday Night Live parodies because that's what we saw. Um, and I think as I got. As I, as I started doing things, when I was younger, we were just doing any kind of goofy thing, any fun thing, like, let's do this, you know, and you're like, okay. Um, but as I got older, I think I really realized that I loved narrative storytelling. I, I've made a few documentaries, and they're not my jam. Um, I really appreciate people who are documentarians, because I think they're the most patient people on the planet. But I have realized um, through doing, you know, through just doing work and stuff that I really love working with actors like that. I love story. I love working with actors and like, that's my most favorite thing ever. So, um, so that's kind of what I focus on now. Let's say, let's say that somehow your past self could see into the future. How do you think they would have felt knowing that you're, you're, you have your own network now and that you're making your own featured holiday movie? Yeah, you know, it's it that's so funny cuz sometimes um you know, in this this industry is really um it's really uh, interesting because you can if you're if you're not careful, you can get caught up in um and where and what you're not doing or who you're not working with or how big your budgets aren't, right? Like it's very easy to look at the landscape when you're in this industry and go but I don't have that. Right. So you can look at it in this like lacking way. And so sometimes I can get caught up in that, but I'm mostly a very positive person and I look at the world as abundant, 
But every now and then I really, I'm like talking with an actor or actress and I'm like, if my 15 year old self knew I was at hanging with this person and at their house and they're a really good friend of mine, like they would kind of, they would be like, get out. Like, no way. <laughs> so there are those moments when I was, I'll give you an example. I was really lucky to work with Marina Sirtis, who played Deanna Troy on Star Trek oh Next Generation. God. I'm a huge Star Trek Next Generation fan. I was a huge Deanna Troy um, uh, and, uh, and Dr. Crusher, like, who played by Gates McFadden fan. And so, like, I'm working with someone on Riley, and they were like, you know, I think we can make, what if we got Marina Sirtis for this? And I just looked at her, and I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? And I was like, hang on. I just need to, like, fangirl for a second, and then I'll just, like, be really professional, but just, like, give me a second. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, I think she would be great for this role. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, like, if you told my younger self, you know, she ended up getting nominated for this Indie Series Award, and we were hanging out at the banquet, and, like, she was sitting next to me, and she was talking to my girlfriend. And, like, if, like, you told me I could text – I could, well, they would know what texting was, but if you told my younger self, as I'm watching Star Trek, Star Trek Next Generation, you are going to be directing her one day, I would have looked at it, me, the older me, and just gone like, I don't understand how that could possibly happen. Like my little self in like Nashville, Tennessee, you know, in my Catholic schoolgirl uniform watching Star Trek oh Next gosh. Generation, that was in a, that could have, would have been an impossibility. I would have been like, I don't even know if I want to do that. Like, what are you talking about? I'm going to work with that person and then I'm going to be friends with like this person who I'm seeing on my television. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like mind blowing sometimes in, in like the coolest way possible. So, um, it's, it's not lost on me. I should say, um, how unbelievably lucky my career has been. That's amazing. That's, that's really amazing to hear I mean what are goodness gracious what are your like hopes and dreams for this like as you're doing with Tello and as you're doing with your you know upcoming films yeah so I I just want to I I want the freedom and larger budgets that's absolutely that's, that's what I want like I want larger budgets. Um, I, and I want to just be able to make content for our community. Um, my big, I'm going to just put it out there cause it's my big goal. Like I love that I get to make things for Tello and, and that's been amazing. Um, but I would also love to see like some consistent lesbian projects on potentially one of these new, you know, either Netflix, which I think could do better in their original programming uh, for queer women, um, as Apple TV, you know, comes out with their original programming. Like, I would love for someone to go, hey, you've been making this great content for Tello. Can you do that for, like, Apple TV or Amazon or Netflix? And here's the larger budget we're going to get you. So I either want that to happen or I want so many flipping subscribers to Tello, which, which we're not there yet, to be like super frank, but I want so many subscribers to come to Tello that we don't have to, that we can make things with the budget that we need without having to crowdfund, you know, without, where we can still get investors, but like we're just like funding our projects our, and our features at a price point where, um, you know, I'm not coming in at this like ultra low budget number. 
That's what I want. I hope you get that one day. I really do. Thank you. Like you have the passion. You have, you know, you're you're so careful. Like after hearing all that you're doing to make sure that the deaf representation is there, I mean, I, I see it that you're so careful and that you're, I don't know, there's like, to put it very bluntly, you're not completely about the money, which is very nice to see. Yeah. <laughs> which is very nice to see in the industry, period. Like in any industry, it's really nice. Yeah. Well, it's all about being able to tell our stories. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I like to eat food and and be able to pay rent and things like that. And I think that that's lovely. But it's really for me, like I wake up every day thinking about how I can make more content for the community. I mean, that is my and how I can get the things that I've made out so that more people know about it. Like That's what I wake up thinking about, like every day. Oh, goodness gracious. Like, do you like have like a little black book full of ideas of things that you hope you can do one day? Yeah, I do. I have a black book that has like story ideas and things in it. And um, it's also, I think I have a scratch pad like on my iPhone that has like a list of people that I want to work with in the future who I love. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. So anytime I like find someone, I'm like, oh, they're not on my list yet. And I'll just like open my iPhone and like write it down. So yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. I so much ambition. If I could have like an ounce of that, who knows what who knows what I could do. <laughs> Look what dangerous. you are doing though. I mean, come on, you're doing a phenomenal podcast and like getting word out about things. I mean, hearing that from you makes me want to a crawl under my bed and cry because that's amazing. <laughs> and just anyway. Anyway, I, I don't know how to take compliments. We're going to work on that, too. I was going to say that thing. and not apologizing. I, <laughs> I think those are those are the things that, like, you know, I'm going to work on getting bigger budgets, and you work on those things. And I, we'll both look <laughs> at, like, self, self-improvement and moving, <laughs> moving things forward. Absolutely. I'm so excited for your project. And I'm just like, why doesn't oh, everyone know about this? Why? You know, we're, do- we're doing, we're, I have to say like, we're actually doing pretty well. I was blown away by our numbers. I, I mean, we want, you know, we want hundreds of thousands of people obviously to download this, right? Like that's, that's the, you know, absolute dream. I think if, if some of the numbers I heard like that long ago, the L word had like 200,000 views or watchers or subscribers. And then like, that's like, the number that we could potentially get to if that's what the L word had. Right. So, you know, we can look at that as like our big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, but I, I will say I've been blown away at the number of, of people who've been watching the, the trailer or the teaser and getting excited about, about season of love. And so, you know, as, as we can look to amplify that and, and, you know, we've had already two great press articles. We have people who are going to do, you know, reviews of it. So, you know, we're really working hard to, um, to do everything we can to kind of get, get the word out. Um, cause it's, uh, and, and I think as people watch it and see the teaser, you know, I can see people tagging other people on like Instagram and Twitter. And so that's been really cool. Um, and so, yeah, like, but we want hundreds of thousands, right? Like that's the, that's the, that's the big idea. And, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I think people will get excited and share it and do the screenshots, like you said, and um, shout from the rooftop, you know, because they're finally seeing themselves in this. 
I will definitely um, be doing the screenshots. Aww. It will happen. I mean, I, yes. it's on tape now. People can hear me saying it. People will hear you saying that. I know, and, and I feel they're like they're gonna hold the, me to it for sure. And I hold you to it, and then you also have to get the other podcasters out there who do it to absolutely. to screenshot it and post it. Yeah, I mean, we really, um, yeah, you know, like I said, I'm really proud of this, and I, I. Uh, uh, I think it's it's going to be super fun. I, and I will, I, I think, um, here's kind of, it's not a behind the scenes thing, but it's a really uh-huh. fun thing that I, I would love, love to facts. share. That And I just saw it today. I just saw this clip today. So um, Kenna, right, Sandra May, who's the, mm-hmm. the deaf character, is also a welder. So she, I think I mentioned that earlier. So mm-hmm. she comes into the Bramble Brew house and does this welding uh, for Lou. And we have this like really fun, fun uh, we have a couple of dream sequences but we have one in there and as I was talking to my composer um because there's a scene where Kenna's like welding and I I it suddenly hit me I was like uh he was like what music do you want under this and I said we should do an homage to flash dance oh my god Be- <laughs> right don't you remember that like clat because she does she pulls her welding hat off and like you know kind of uh, you know, is it take takes her um, protective jacket thingy off, and it's like this very like Jennifer Beals in flash dance scene, and then it goes into this dream sequence, and I was like, Josh, we have to do an homage to flash dance here. I mean, I don't and, even, I don't want to know like how much it costs to like use music well, we, for things, but that's yes. Here's please. the thing: we don't because Josh. What? Yeah, well, we're not using the actual song where Josh ended up composing something that's similar, right? But it's his composition. He's just influenced by Flashdance. So we Holy don't have cow. to actually call Flashdance. But here's the cool thing. He used the synthesizer, right? Like, remember those old synthesizers? Yeah. Like, I, 80s. So, like, that's how you, like, knock 80s, the 80s baby, right there. <laughs> 80s synthesizer, right? The synthesizer belongs to his writing partner, Billy Steinberg. Billy wrote... Like a Virgin, True Colors, Eternal Holy Flame, shit. like all the 80s hits, right? And actually, Billy and Josh wrote a song that Dominique sings in the, in the, um, in the movie. But he composed this song on that keyboard. So the same keyboard that wrote Like a Virgin, True Colors, Eternal Flame, like look up Billy Steinberg, you'll see all the hits. He played on that synthesizer. So I just think it's like so cool that one of, you know, a couple of our songs that use a synthesizer is using this like synthesizer that wrote like just the iconic hits of the 80s. And um, here we are doing this homage oh my to an God. iconic scene. In the, right? Like that's pretty cool, right? I'm fanning myself right now. I I know. And I just <laughs> watched that scene today and it's amazing with the composition under it. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so good. Tell, so, me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, but tell me, it's okay. is Jennifer Beale on your list of people that you want to work with? You know, she's not, but I should add her, shouldn't I? I, I know. Mean, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I feel like ever feel since like I've I'm seen a, L Word, I have, I have seen yeah. her almost everything she's in. And I'm just like, this woman has such range. She is ridiculous. She has just... like, she is on fire chemistry. I know. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. Oh I'm my God. opening up my phone. Oh I'm God. adding her name to my list. So we'll, we will, uh, you know, hopefully in the near future, 
you know, we'll do another interview. And I'm like, you know, I wrote her name down and look at this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Listeners, tag Jennifer Beal. Make this happen. Actually, I don't put pressure on her. I don't know if that's how this thing works. But you know what? Just put it out there in the universe. How about that? I, I just need like her to send... play another queer, queer role, please. I know. Well, you know, she's coming back in in the oh yeah, word version Q or yeah. And I'm just like, who? Is and she, she looks with? pretty badass. So she I'm has excited. not aged. What is that she... made of? I don't know. She's drinking an elixir of some sort, and we all need to know what it is. I mean. You know, because she, yeah, she hasn't aged at all. She looks just as good as she did in Flashdance. I don't in Flashdance. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, mean, ugh, I, I just, I I'm sorry. This so, is not what we came here for. But <laughs> listen, Jennifer Beals is what everyone comes anywhere for. So she can always be brought up. It, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. If, if if she starts working for you in any capacity, I will die. Um, <laughs> I know I will too. And I, oh my God. That'd be one of those moments where I'm like, hang on. I just need to like go away and fangirl. Ah, okay. Now I'm back and I'm professional. Let's go. That's yeah. God, I can't wait. Um, I'm putting that into the universe now. <laughs> yes. I love it. That's so exciting. I'm sorry. You were saying something and I got distracted by Jennifer Veal and that's, it happens. Often. Totally. It happened. I mean, it's, it is, a, it is part of life getting distracted by Jennifer Bills. No, I just think like those kinds, I was just going to ask, like, that's, that's the kind of little tidbit that you want, right? Like that's the, yes, that's that is kind of so a little fun. like cool fun fact, right? That is an amazing fun fact. That should be yeah. like on the trivia page. Like, you know, the INDB has like trivia below it. Oh, you, we should you, put that on there. Absolutely. I feel like, yeah. like music buffs. Cause like I listen to music or movie podcasts all the time and they always like to talk about the composition I feel like they would drool over that information yeah I mean like this is this is a um a a synthesis like a like people would just die to have this this synthesizer like right now because of the sound and like sure enough man when you hear it it's like wow that does sound really different like it's just this classic 80s synth I think is the real synth sound so are there are there is there going to be a blooper reel included I hope so. Um, Again, we're moving, we're moving so fast. So I think like the blooper reel will come like later, maybe in an extras thing, because I did ask my editor. So there's a scene. um, And and again, this is in the trailer. So um, or this is going to be in the trailer where Iris just gets hammered, just gets super drunk. Um, with her bridesmaids after her her fiance leaves her. Oh my god! And, and Iris, I feel for you. I know. And Emily, who is just such an amazing actress, ad libbed a couple of um, did did a couple of takes that where she ad libbed different things. And so we chose this one particular take, but all of them are really funny. So I had my editor. I go, can you just pull all of those? takes of Emily's and I kind of am like wondering in the in the credits if we want to have like you know like a couple of her like drunk outtakes and they're not outtakes but like you know a couple of her drunk like ad libs um so yeah ad libs before so I I know and they are like I will say they are super funny um so uh I I, you know we're gonna try and see if we can do that but yeah I definitely think we uh, want to have a bloopers reel because there's some you know there's some I, I think there's some funny moments now that I say it I'm like did we have that many bloopers but oh, god I love a good bloopers reel too so 
I, I think I, we, if we do it even just for me and then I'm like, okay, here you go, everyone. <laughs> here's the, here's the blooper reels. Oh, that's understandable. I mean, I can't, I could yeah. not fathom an actress, an actress's job or an actor's job at all. Like how they get, get into character yeah. and like how they might just be like, crap, I can't remember my line. <laughs> you know, we had no problems with that. Or like we had like, well, I think n- no one didn't come to set knowing their lines. Oh, that wow. was, that was amazing. I actually, that'd be a good one to, to say like n- every single actress down mm-hmm. to our, day players everyone came knowing lines and i've worked on projects where that has not been the case and wow. everyone but was i mean this. they were it was just like every, you could tell they had done their work like not just in memorizing but just character wise like it was it was so cool and like we come out you know like i remember my dp would like ask a question he'd go and more more so usually because we were in Iris's house a lot. So he would be shooting something and he would go, uh, hey, would she still have this photo of Theo up on the on the mantle? And I was like, I don't know. Let's go ask Emily. Because I know Emily had done such character work mm-hmm. that she would know. So I went and I was like, hey, come here for a sec. And we looked at the mantle. I go, would you still have his photo up? And she was like, yeah, I would. I was like, okay. And so those kinds of things you could ask when there was a choice to be made, you could ask the actress and they knew their character so well that they'd go, yeah, my character would have this or yes, oh like my God. she would do that. And it was, it was just really cool. Like where, you know, it would be like, you know, Dom, would you have your, you know, do you think you'd have your, you know, your guitar with you at this point and she'd go no I think it would be like here it's like okay and so it's like you instead of having like someone else make that choice like they've done so much work you know we they came like just so prepared so that's that's kind of cool that is so amazing yeah they were just so about it that must be so wonderful like as a director or as like a creative in, in general to have so many people who are just so on board with you I think I said this before but I'm just like I feel like this is meant to be <laughs> yeah I, I you know it's so many you know I love that you say that I love that I love your your take on that I totally agree because so many things like kind of came into play um and making all of this happen. And even, even down to like Janelle's casting, who I think a lot of, you know, I kind of, it's kind of interesting what you read online and what people assume. Cause some people thought we were trying to hold off and not tell people who was, who was cast opposite um, Dom, which was not the case at all. We were searching still like up into two and a half, maybe a week, two and a half weeks before going into production. So that's why she was the last person to come on board. Not because we want we were being sneaky or trying to hide anything, but like we were continuing to look for people. And I believe, I believe in uh, what I call a production goddess. Um, she looks like Beyonce at um, <laughs> in one of her performances on the Grammys, where she's like dressed as that golden goddess when she was pregnant. That's what my production goddess looks like. Um, 
but she has been with me for ever since I've been doing production. And she has every time an actress has dropped out or something weird has happened that you think is going to take you in a totally going to be horrible has ended up working out for the best every single time. And so I don't get freaked out when things happen at the last minute. Like I was never in doubt we were going to find the perfect Janie and that my production goddess was going to help us. Cause we went out to like, you know, we, we were searching for Janie the, you know, from the beginning. And it was like, we have this person. Oh no, she can't do it because this conflict, you know, I met with this person who was like amazing and nope, she doesn't, didn't work out. Cause you know, X, Y, and Z happened or so it was like all of these like really interesting things where we went out to actresses and they all wanted to do it but like something bizarre had happened like oh nope she has she has to be in her best friend's wedding the same time that you're shooting and she can't make it can you adjust the schedule no we can't and I just knew from the beginning the Janie that we got was going to be the perfect Janie for whatever reason because my production goddess has always had my back and she was like really searching for it. And so, you know, certain like that's how I believe we got all of the people. And they were so amazing because my, my, you know, production goddess always looks out for me. So, you know, I, I never doubt that the people that we have were meant to be. And they're the, the people who are supposed to kind of usher in, you know, the first, you know, queer holiday Christmas female rom-com like this is the first there's not been anything that's come out during this season um that's been a rom-com that in this classic sense and you know that's why we wanted to come out this year because we very much wanted to make sure that like we can say we're the first and I, I i think you're right it was meant to be for all these crazy bizarre reasons that's amazing. I love that you have a production goddess and you know what she looks like. That is amazing. <laughs> well, I, I was sending like a, like I was texting with my, um, uh, my casting person and I just went into, you know, the I, iPhone has the, all the gifts mm-hmm. and I just typed in goddess. Cause I was like, Oh my, don't worry. My production goddess. And I was like, and that's the first thing that popped up. And oh I was like, my Oh my gosh, God. that is what she looks like. Absolutely. That's, like that, that's my production goddess. I didn't know that it was Beyonce. And I mean, so. I'm sure everybody wants Beyonce to be their goddess, but at the same absolutely. time, I feel like, yes, this fits. This fits. Absolutely. It does fit. Right. Yeah. Queen B. So anyway, that's, I, I, I love, thank you for saying that. That just like, makes my heart like super warm. Um, I, I just, some, the, the universe is, works in mysterious ways, for lack of a better saying, but sometimes so everything true. just feels right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't think it could have happened to a better person, honestly, Aww. right now. That's like, so sweet. We, we definitely are going to need some, a feel good movie going into the yeah. next year. Like, holy cow. Totally, Please. right? We're ready for it. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm with you. We will happily provide that. And I, and I also just want to like totally appreciate you saying, you know, like just, we need to shout this from the rooftop because I do think there's an audience out there. And as Tello and web series, it's just been hard for us to find and to kind of break through the clutter. But I think this kind of movie at this time is the thing that could break through that clutter and get, get that that kind of you know 
audience that that the other kind of big you know studios are able to get absolutely and i what is this what is this rated i don't know we're not going oh, no. to the mpaa <laughs> oh no yeah. Uh, darn! But I, I forgot. The, I know. If you're, if, like, I don't understand in PA whatever what you just said. I actually don't understand Mo- motion, how that works. Yeah, so, yeah. The Motion Picture Association is what rates things, right. and you have to submit through there. So if we had like a like that sort of quintessential, um, um, like re- like theatrical release, it would be rated. Now you don't have to get things rated by the MPAA, but um, so he. I mean, so we have. Queer Lady Kisses, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that gives you an automatic PG-13. And we do say the F word three or four times. Oh, that's that depends, I guess. Because who, who yeah. even knows? Who even knows anymore? Exactly. So, but I, I, so that's how we, like, aren't hallmarky is that we do drop the F-bomb um, in, in the movie. That's actually the only curse word. Isn't that so interesting? <laughs> I mean, you can't help reality when it speaks for itself. <laughs> I know, I know. So, but yeah, so I don't know what that would be rated. Like, I think it's like super cotton candy sweet, but then I was watching it the other day. I mean, I've seen this thing like a lot of times. And I was like, imagine. oh gosh. I was like, we only say the F word once. And I was like, oh no, huh? We say it like three more times. And then that's it. Like, it's after the first, like, yeah. And it's and it's Lou's character, Jessica Clark, who says it. Jessica Clark's character is who drops the f bomb. So I don't know what that means, like ratings wise. So I have no idea. I I was because I was thinking. Usually, I have a section where we do the guest to guest question, but we're gonna have to skip it because I. It's it's usually where my guests from the last podcast ask my guests from this one a question without knowing who each other are. But I we're gonna have to skip it because your episode's coming out so much sooner than the other episodes that I've had pre-recorded. Okay. But if you have any recommendations for the audience, feel free. Like, it could be anything. It could, anything that you're enjoying right now and you would like to share with somebody, we would appreciate a recommendation. It doesn't have to be media-related. Oh. Just, like, anything. It could be just, like, a really amazing piece of toast you had this morning. Like... Hmm. A recommendation. Gosh. Um... Do, 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 do. Um, I'm trying to think of like what I've been focused on this so much that I haven't I always like giving um, I usually like giving like TV show or movie recommendations because uh, that's my that's my life that's my jam um, um You know what I've been, I'm going to do, I never do music, but I'm going to do music because I am listening, I was, I've been listening nonstop to the um, Broadway soundtrack for Moulin Rouge. Oh yeah? And is that out already? Gosh, I'm so is. behind on everything. Yeah. So I was able to see it when it was in Boston in previews and it is, I think, better than the movie. I believe And it. I love the movie. Um and the soundtrack, though, even if you know them, if you know them, you don't actually have to know anything about it to enjoy the soundtrack, I think. But if you know the movie, you could listen to the Broadway soundtrack and just absolutely love it. I think uh, they do an amazing job of, of you know, 
taking you know kind of current fun songs and 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 their their take on them i think is really fun so i would say if you have a chance go listen to the moulin rouge soundtrack from the musical that's so exciting i want to yeah i'm gonna have to check that out too because i I thought it wasn't out yet, and I I am really behind on everything. Apparently, <laughs> working yeah. too hard. All work and no play has made me very behind. <laughs> yep. Well, again, you can fix it. You can go watch our teaser. Absolutely. And then you can go. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna do that as soon as we've stopped. So tell the lovely viewers where they can find you, your program, anything, all the information. All the information. Yes, you can go to telefilms.com. Or you can download the app um, on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iPhone, and Android, and iPad. Um, and you can there's a three free day, uh, free three day trial, so you can check and see if there's stuff that you like, and give us give us a look. We are able to make content um, only because of our subscribers. We only exist because of you. So the more people we get to subscribe, the more holiday movies we can make. And the more content we can make and the more we can support other queer content makers. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, you can follow Telefilms. Um, you can like us on Facebook. And then I personally am Kristen, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N, Kristen Tello. Oh, on Instagram cool. and Twitter. Oh, you have Tello mixed in there. That's really good. That's really yeah, good. it's not my last name, which a lot of people think it is. Baker is my last name. But... How did you come up with a name for Tello? That is something I should have asked earlier in this interview. But yeah. Now, but now I do want to know. Sure. Um, it stands for Television Online. Ah. And it just sounded like a really fun up, you know, like, instead of hello, Tello. Um, and so we just liked the way it sounded. And we, you know, wanted to be television online. I mean, that certainly is good that you guys snatched, snatched it up while you could before somebody else did. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I am so excited for your project. I am so excited for your future projects. Fingers <laughs> crossed for Jennifer Beals. Yes. Um, <laughs> let that happen. And, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. That it is amazing. I still can't believe I'm talking to you. I don't know how. Aww. We've been talking for like two hours and I still just can't wrap my brain around it. And it's probably for the best. <laughs> You're very sweet. Thank you so much for, for having me on and for supporting the project. And, and here's to future chats together. Absolutely. I'm so excited for this. <laughs>